Today is the 4th of July, Independence Day for the United States of America. In 1776, there was an ideological revolution. The founding fathers decided that the government should be for the people and by the people, and they set forth the creation of this great nation. During the, this, this era, things were far from perfect, and they're far from perfect today. There are a lot of things that we, we can look back on and say those things were actually really, really bad. Well, guess what? We know they're bad today because we're the winners. We're the ones who changed everything. Yet for some reason, even after all of our accomplishments, even after all of the successes of our founding fathers, their children, our parents, etc., there are still people today that will insist this country is wrong, it's evil, it's white supremacist. And over the past couple of weeks, there's been a growing and obvious ethical conundrum or ideological split. Many politicians, governors, mayors were warning us not to go out on the 4th of July to be smart. At the same time, they were backing a different ideological movement, Black Lives Matter. This says to me very clearly that these people don't support the ideology behind what the revolution really represented. Not all of the horrible things of that era, but a new idea that the government was accountable to those that were being governed. The government is us. It's the people. Today, we are being told that Donald Trump celebrating the 4th of July at Mount Rushmore was glorifying white supremacy, that our monuments and founding fathers were evil slave owners, and that it's time to reconsider the global legacy of July 4th, 1776, says the Washington Post. I'm actually kind of upset that there's a negative tone to this segment I'm going to be doing because today is a really, really tremendous day. It's an amazing day. The best day. Everybody agrees. No, unfortunately, they don't. We have a lot of politicians that are renaming streets that are allowing occupations by ideological protesters that are being denounced by many Americans who are insulting our founding fathers, our history, and all of the great things that have since come from it. They want to act like this country is still evil. But I'm going, to, I'm going to read you these stories. And I want to start by actually showing you a bit of what Donald Trump had to say. He attacks the left-wing cultural revolution. He's right. There is a left-wing cultural, cultural revolution. That's the point I'm bringing up. You've got to think about it from one simple perspective. There are two ideologies today. Was the foundation of the United States a day to be celebrated? And should we go out and celebrate the creation of this nation? Or should we denounce this nation whose real history started 1619? Which ideology would you support? Many of these governors and mayors and some federal politicians have chosen. They have chosen the 1619 project. They've chosen that this country is actually bad, that it's it it emboldened the legacy of white supremacy. In fact, that's absolutely far from the truth. It's the opposite of the truth. It's a fake, paranoid delusion. Donald Trump said in his speech last night that they're taking these these the worst bits of history and amplifying them to make our country seem evil and awful. But I will tell you, coming from someone whose family uh, did not have full civil rights up until the 60s, it's just far from the truth. This country was created under an idea that, the, that it would be for the people, by the people, but that all men were created equal. And it actually took a long time to see the to see this reality. So I have to wonder, as these people march around, mostly young white progressives condemning this country, why it is that my family so desperately sought to come here 
Why would they want to come to a place where they faced oppression? My grandparents were a mixed race couple. They were not legally recognized under the Civil Rights Act. Uh, I'm sorry, they were not legally recognized. uh, I'm sorry, I should rephrase. They were they were discriminated against. In fact, miscegenation laws was it was the law of the land. It was not popular. And it wasn't until 1964 with the Civil Rights Act. And then three years later, Loving v. Virginia, that my family actually got to experience full civil rights. Yet even with those horrifying things, they still wanted to be here. They still chose my, 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 my grandparents on my mom's side chose to come here knowing full well that the country had problems with civil rights. It's because this country gives you the opportunity to make those changes, to make those amendments, because it, it really is a great country. Donald Trump is talking now in his speech on the 4th of July about a left wing culture revolution that wants to make this country look bad. And he's right. And I'm going to show you these weird stories. The Washington Post, the New York Times. Now, the funny one is the BBC. I'm sorry. I'm not going to take your word for it. British Broadcasting Company. When you try to pass off anti-revolutionary propaganda. But no, let, let, let me tell you, as a family that actually did not have the full benefits of civil rights for a long time, this country is awesome. And I've been to many other countries, and I know full well that the Washington Post is wrong. The legacy of 1776 is actually a really important and awesome legacy that we've come to create a country where people can be treated equally under the law. To this day, there are still many countries that do not have those principles. So I wonder what would have happened if we did not have a revolution. Some say perhaps under the British crown, we would have enacted civil rights sooner. Maybe. I don't know. All I know is the history we have is a good one. So let's start and take a look at what Donald Trump had to say and why he was right. And I'll show you what the media has been saying. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box if you'd like to send some stuff. But the best thing you can do, share this video. I'm competing with many of these powerful mainstream news organizations that are actually, they're actually smearing this holiday, this very important day. And I don't have the big budgets they do. So if you share my video, it gives me that opportunity to, you know, have people hear what I have to say. If you think it's something people should hear. If you just want to watch, then hit the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell. And let's read from Reuters. Mind you, these stories are all very biased. Trump attacks left-wing cultural revolution in Mount Rushmore address. They say President Donald Trump on Friday accused angry mobs of trying to erase history with efforts to remove or rethink monuments to U.S. historical figures and used a speech at Mount Rushmore to paint himself as a bulwark against left-wing extremism. If the media right now is propping up these far leftists, if the Democrats aren't calling them out, then unfortunately for someone like me who's very concerned about this, Yes, it seems like we have only Donald Trump for the most part. Now, there have been a few Republicans who have come up. For the most part, I felt them to be very ineffective. Well, just to not bury the lead, Donald Trump has announced countering the destruction of our monuments and our statues that they will be creating a garden of heroes. He's actually swinging the pendulum the other way. You want to tear down a statue? He's going to build more. That's actually kind of funny. Let's read. They say on a day when seven U.S. states posted record, a record number of new COVID cases, The pandemic moved further into Trump's inner circle. I'm not, I I don't care, Reuters. I, I really don't. They say Trump has not worn a mask in public. We get it. Speaking underneath the framed landmark depicting four U.S. presidents, Trump warned that the demonstrations over racial inequality threatened the foundations of the U.S. political system. He said, make no mistake, 
This left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American revolution. Our children are taught in school to hate their own country. They say protest uh, in, in the nationwide unrest following the death of George Floyd. Protesters in several cities have vandalized the statues of leaders, including Confederate generals who led a rebellion against the U.S. government during the 1861 to 65 U.S. Civil War. And that's where I want to stop. Yes, Donald Trump called out the culture revolution. Donald Trump will be right. I won't leave you hanging. I've brought the receipts. I don't know why Reuters didn't give you this context, the context I'm now going to give you. In Portland, a man described tearing down a statue of Thomas Jefferson, saying it's not vandalism. Over in, uh, I believe this also was Portland as well, statues of George Washington was destroyed. A statue of Grant, Ulysses S. Grant, the man who actually led the union against the Confederacy was torn down. And of course, Park Volunteer outraged over vandalism of Philadelphia abolitionist statue. He was Black Lives Matter before there was a slogan. Why would then Reuters only highlight the Confederate leaders who led a rebellion? Why wouldn't they point out that Donald Trump specifically said that they were tearing down statues to our great heroes? In fact, there was one man in Wisconsin, who was torn, his statue was torn down. He was an abolitionist who died fighting for the union. They don't tell you this. Now, we can be concerned about the tearing down of any statue of any monument. I'm not a fan of the Confederate statues. I'm a fan of the legacy of this country that won, that won my family and many other people their civil rights and equality under the law. If you want to take down any of these statues, then I recognize under, under the law, equality means you don't have the right to just use force to tear down whatever you want. It means that my family truly understood what it meant when equal rights were granted, and that I personally, as a descendant of this history, hold no grudge. Should I? Could I? Probably. Many of these people do. I don't. I I don't look at it as I need revenge or retribution. I look at it as, well, now that I have been able to live in this great country that granted my family the rights. I heard many stories growing up about what life was really like. I'm not going to now claim I have special privileges and rights over other people who have willfully given up that power. There was a time when we had identitarian law, when this country was overwhelmingly white and Christian, and they decided that they would grant special privileges and access to them based on their race. And at some point they decided they would give that power up and we would have equality under the law. It's not perfect. There's still a lot of holdouts, a lot of problems, but they did it. And so I'm happy they did. Instead of now demanding that I should get retribution, I'm just going to say we should all treat each other fairly and equally. So I am appalled at the desecration and destruction of the winners, the good guys, and that's what they're doing. Well, take a look at how independent media responded to Donald Trump's tweet. In this tweet from Radical Catholic, I'm not sure who this person is, but they've highlighted something very interesting. Donald Trump warned about the radical left and the culture revolution and how they're tearing down our statues. Many in media lied, but here's what they said about it. Here's the New York Times, dark and divisive. Here's what they said in the Sydney Morning Herald, for some reason in Australia, dark and divisive. Here's what they said. I'm not sure which which newspaper this is, dark and divisive. They just, they all kept saying it, the independent, dark and divisive. And of course, we heard from Hillary Clinton, dark and divisive, dark and divisive, dark and divisive. And in Clinton's last campaign speech, November 8th, 2016, dark and divisive. Why? 
because Donald Trump said great things about this country and he defended it and said these people are trying to tear it down. Perhaps, maybe. Now let's take a look at how the media is handling things. Of course, I said early on that I'm sorry, how the Democrats are handling things. The, 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 the lead of this video is it's the Democrats and the media. L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti branded clown for banning four, July 4th fireworks due to COVID while backing Black Lives Matter protesters. The New York Times says that 80 percent of holiday fireworks displays in large cities and small towns have been canceled because of, because of the pandemic. So you mean to tell me that we have L.A., we have D.C., for instance, and 80 percent it's not entirely Democrats, but it's many Democrats saying don't celebrate this holiday because of COVID. You mean, you mean to tell me that all of this is being shut down? Yet in Portland, for a month straight, they've not stopped protesting. Tens of thousands of people have come out for Black Lives Matter. That's the point. Donald Trump is right about the cultural revolution. You have overt mainstream cultural support for a new ideology that believes this country was founded 1619, the day the first slave arrived in the United States. That's absolutely not true. And it was actually the framework of our constitution, which allowed us to abolish slavery and grant and grant civil rights. This country is not perfect. People who, who want to claim so, maybe they're just be, they're exaggerating a little bit or a little too idealistic. But this country is absolutely one of the best in the world, especially today, because even after everything I've told you about my family and my history, which if you're, you follow my content, you know, I've talked about it quite a bit. I've been to many other countries where you don't have these rights and you got to be careful about what you say. You got to be careful about who you are. In fact, the United States and many European countries are some of the few multicultural countries on this planet that actually grant equality under the law. You can go to East Asia. I actually went to Korea and I found out something really interesting. A lot of people are very, very racist there. I thought it'd be fun to go back where my family had come from, at least part of it. The other part is in North Korea. I can't go there. And I went there and I found out that while the younger generation isn't as racist, a lot of the older generation really, really is. In the United States, I'm lucky enough to where a lot of rights were granted. And it's true, there's still civil rights in a lot of countries, but they're still overwhelmingly racist. They don't like people coming in. They don't like people who don't represent their ethnic majority. And the United States has the inverse problem, I suppose. You have now a mainstream culture that routinely just rags on this idea of white supremacy and claims the creation of this country is a bad thing. Maybe it's an attempt to disprove free speech. I believe in free speech. But hey, if there was any group of people that could prove there are inherent problems with it, it's the people who are given the right to just tear down all of our accomplishments and the great things this country has brought us. Take a look at this story from The Washington Post. It is time to reconsider the global legacy of July 4th, 1776. They say, as the country prepares to celebrate the anniversary of its formal declaration of independence from Britain, we must once again reckon with two dark historical truths. The first is the central paradox in, uh, in U.S. history. The nation's democracy was founded as a slave society. Technically, the United States was founded at a time when there were slaves. Depending on which historian you'll read, they'll tell you something different. Of course, the New York Times, with their perceivably revisionist history, will tell you that it was a slaveocracy. And that was the entire point of independence. And that's just absolutely not true. Others will tell you that, in fact, many of the founding fathers hated slavery, but it was, the, it was, a, it was a mainstream popular institution. And so they did speak up against it and, in fact, didn't want it in the United States. Unfortunately, southern states, which were very pro-slavery, wouldn't have joined in the revolution 
unless they were guaranteed their right to continue. And it was not even 100 years later, one of the bloodiest wars ever fought was to end slavery, the, 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 the Civil War. And many people lost their lives. I mean, a lot. It's, it's a huge number. I think it's one of the bloodiest battles in the history of the world. I could be wrong. But guess what? We won. We shut that down. It's over. They were the, they were the losers. And it was because of the framework created by the founding fathers. So it's fair to point out, yeah, slavery was bad. Absolutely. We ended it. Good. And let's continue to talk about how bad it was. And we can, take, we, we can absolutely criticize the founding fathers for not doing more. But I saw an interesting post talking about the left's view that they are the true heroes of, of civil rights. And it was a professor who asked this question. If you're one of these people that truly believes you would have stood up to reject slavery, then I ask you, is there something today for which you stand for that is unpopular? Where if you speak up now, you could have your livelihood destroyed. You'll be shunned. You will lose your job, your money. You will be rejected by society because the mainstream popular institution is being threatened by you. Are you standing up for anything like that? The reality is most of these people aren't. When you see Netflix and McDonald's supporting your cause, it is entirely mainstream and popular. When Andrew Cuomo said, you've won, tell us what you want. You are not standing up against anything unpopular. You're being given everything you want by an establishment that supports you. There are other things in this world that are entirely unpopular, notably standing up for free speech and the rights of individuals to say things that are unpopular. So I, I can't really draw parallels. But I can point out many of these people would not be the heroes they so claim to be. The next point they bring up, the second, is that after cutting political ties with Great Britain, Americans doubled down on the British Empire's project of colonial domination. The American Revolution inspired freedom movements in other parts of the world, but it also contributed to the worldwide spread of white supremacy. And that, my friends, is an overt lie. Where did you stop your history? Are you talking about, I don't know, the 1800s? At what point did, do you draw the line on where history ends? Because I can tell you this, today, you are actually writing in one of the most prominent papers ever that white supremacy is bad. So I can only conclude that, no, the, the, the end of the, 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 the Declaration of Independence signified the, the near demise of British colonialism, and it resulted in a country that ultimately gave you the ability to denounce white supremacy and enacted civil rights law, you know, around 60 or so years ago and granted people equality under the law. Of course, though, in response to uh, Donald Trump's speech, he gets ripped apart by the media. But listen, there was there was a tweet, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll highlight this in a minute, where the Democrats said that the 4th of July event was glorifying white supremacy. And I want to make sure I'm clear when I mention Democrats and media, I really do basically mean the same thing. It's the establishment. They're the same. I know some people might say, well, the media and politicians are not the same. That's not fair. There's no liberal media. Just spare me the waste of time. The Washington Post endorsed Hillary Clinton, okay? They offered up this endorsement, not, be, you know, blah, blah, blah. They said, no, uh, what, what did they say? It's, we are not making this endorsement simply because Miss Clinton's chief opponent is dreadful. They hate Trump. They said he was dreadful. They endorsed Hillary Clinton in 2016. Did you know that Hillary Clinton received 500 endorsements from various newspapers and Trump received, I believe, 28? I'm not saying Trump is a good guy. I'm saying the media absolutely aligns themselves with the Democrats. And you can argue it's because 
the Democrats are, are right or whatever. I don't care. The point is that bias exists. The media supports the Democrats. That's just a fact. So when I see all of these stories, Trump uses Mount Rushmore speech to deliver divisive culture war message, or Trump uses 4th of July celebration to stoke a culture war, or the Washington Post at Mount Rushmore, Trump exploits social division, warns of left-wing cultural revolution in dark speech ahead of Independence Day. Or the first article from Reuters that made it seem like Trump was only defending Confederates. I see it from all of these journalists. You know, another journalist wrote the other day, who are these heroes that Trump is concerned about having their statues torn down? Trump is defending the Confederacy. That's what they write. They're liars. They hate Trump. They lie. And they support an opposing ideology, revisionist history, saying this country is bad. The country has problems. Everybody could admit it. I'll tell you what, man. The point I was making early on in this video is that even though this country had serious civil rights issues that didn't get solved till 1964, 1967, my family still wanted to be here. I can only wonder why. Perhaps they saw, as I believe it was Reagan who said, that shining city on the hill. Maybe they saw something, an opportunity, the American dream, even with a bad civil rights record. And even after all the hardships they faced, they still chose to be here. I'm glad they did because we won. So why would they try and just, why would they do this? I don't know. Because they hate Trump so much. Now, probably the funniest media critique I can have, and I'm not super concerned, is the BBC putting out this clip where we have a quote from someone saying, we have to stop celebrating myths. Fourth of July, Independence Day is a myth, says Kintez Brown for the Courier Journal. BBC, the British Broadcasting Company, near over 200 years later, the British Empire still putting out anti-revolution propaganda. I do find it funny. I don't care what you have to think, Britain. <laughs> you of all people do not have a, a say in the matter, to be, <laughs> to be fair. It's fine. Look, if the BBC wants to put out a statement, they can. But I'm not concerned about what they have to say. The American Revolution was an ideological revolution where we decided that the government must serve its people. Guess what that means? It means that even though, yes, the founding fathers were racist and racism persisted for a very long time and a civil war was fought where the bad guys lost, it means that the framework of this country was that over time, the logical conclusion was that minority representation would come into existence and that equality under the law must exist if the government was for and by the people and the people are not just white. then eventually everyone must have some kind of representation. It's happening. It really is. We have treme- we've made tremendous gains and now they want to tear that all down. They want overt ideological laws and rules. Intersectionalism asks for people to bend their knee based on the color of their skin. That is not victory. That is not something to celebrate. That is rewinding the clock. I have to wonder about a lot of these stories. I have to wonder about the Democratic Party. Because it's said, you know, often by Republicans, they're the party of Jim Crow and the Klan and slavery and all that stuff. And those things are true. The Democrats would tell you that they've reformed. I don't believe that's true. I believe there's an opportunity. I believe for the most part, there's been changes. But for some reason, even though we can look at the Democratic Party, especially in Congress, and see a, a diversity of, of faces, and the Republican Party is overwhelmingly white, let's be honest. But for some reason, at the local level, the problems that these activists claim they want to solve are being put forth by Democrats. 
We have these big cities with police brutality, things like stop and frisk. These are Democrat cities. The violence, the uprising, the complaints, Democrat cities. I'm not going to try and I'm not trying to necessarily play partisan politics, but I have to wonder why it is that they are now besmirching the good name of Independence Day. I hope Americans can see through what this is. I hope they can see the divisiveness and the, the, the revisionist rhetoric. And you can recognize all of the faults of this country while still celebrating where we've come, you know, where we are. But why would you tear down statues to abolitionists? Why in Portland did they burn down a statue of an elk? Because it's not about freedom, liberty, respect, equality. It's about something else. It's about weird power gains and a new non-theistic religion, intersectionalism. In 2016, Bernie Sanders stood before Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore talking about how inspirational it was. This tweet from Philip, Philip Wegman, he says, what changed? Sanders said Mount Rushmore made him proud to be an American in 2016. And CNN seemed to agree. Now people want to blast the presidents off the mountain. CNN said it was a monument of slave owners on land wrestled away from Native Americans. The Democrats said Trump's event there was glorifying white supremacy. What happened in four years? I don't know, man. But all I can really tell you is that I believe regular Americans support America for all of its faults. We've won so much. Why would we give it up now to some fringe ideology? I don't know. And I hope Americans can see through this. I hope they celebrate the 4th of July, and many of them will. I hope they recognize the attacks on the core of our, our history and our being, our, our, our ridiculous fake, and seek to subvert the rule of law. I hope they stand up for themselves. Donald Trump is going to do it. He's going to be creating a national garden of heroes. Antonin Scalia, Jackie Robinson, Amelia Earhart, many other people. It's going to be a garden of all these different statues. I love it. I absolutely love it. He's, he's swinging back. You want to tear down a statue? I'll build 50 more. Good. There are a lot of great people that we can recognize. Trump isn't building statues for Confederates. He's building, I, I believe he's not, <laughs> the list I looked at at least. He's building statues for American heroes. Good. They don't like that. They don't like it because the statues they torn down and desecrated weren't all Confederates. They were abolitionists. One of them was just an elk. I'm, I'm not kidding. In Portland, they just burned on an elk statue. I have no idea what the elk did to them. But I think it's really about destroying symbols of our country and tearing down our country. It doesn't matter who the statue is. They want them down. They want to destroy this country. I won't stand for that. Sorry, man. Look, you can complain about history. You, complain, you, can, you can complain about colonialism. I'll hear you out. But where we are today, you can't just destroy things. We'll build from here. We'll, we'll continue to grant civil liberties and civil rights. But there is a, a, a dark, destructive force on the left that is just trying to hurt. And unfortunately, the Democrats seem to be in favor of one ideology over our own country. I got to say, man, it's one thing when they won't denounce the far left, when the Democrats won't stand up and say the far left is bad. It's another thing when they outright come out and say, don't celebrate the 4th of July or their allies in media say straight up the 4th of July is bad. That freaks me out. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to record a couple more segments, which will be up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Then I'm going to fire up the grill and hang out outside and maybe watch some fireworks tonight. I don't know what the plan is for my area because as you've heard, most of the fireworks have been canceled, but I'm pretty sure most Americans got some fireworks and we can see it all across the sky. People are going to be lighting it up. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews.
and I will see you there. Last night, protesters entered the uh, highway in Seattle. They set up of two vehicles to block the road. It wasn't a very large group of people. A, a car seemingly tried to swerve out of the way of the vehicles in front of them and slammed into two women. One of them is in critical condition. I'll read you the story here in just a second to give you the full context. And do you know what the first thing the protesters started screaming? What was the first thing they started screaming once they saw these people get hit? What do you think they started saying? Who do you think they asked for? What do you think they said to do? Most of you have probably already guessed the right answer. Call 911. Help, police, help. Seriously. There's a video going around of what happened. It's all caught on, on camera and it is, man, it's, it's infuriating. I, I have never, I, I, man, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Let me read you the story and then we'll talk about what happened. And like, I got to tell you, man, a couple hours before starting this, re- recording this segment, they were rioting in Portland. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. It's the 4th of July. Trump is going to be deploying DHS and FPS which means we may, we may see something tonight as these protests and riots have continued. You stand around in a highway. Man, I'll tell you what. Okay, let, let, let me read this one. We'll, we'll break this one down. The Guardian reports two women injured as car drives through Seattle protest crowd. They say one woman suffered life-threatening injuries and the other had serious injuries. Washington State Patrol spokesperson Rick Johnson tweeted, the Seattle Fire Department said one, the injured woman appeared, uh, women appeared to be in their 20s. Uh, quote, a vehicle drove through the closure and struck multiple pedestrians on the freeway, Johnson tweeted shortly after 2 a.m. Just before midnight, he had said portions of Interstate, Interstate 5 were closed because of protests. The vehicle was stopped and the driver was in custody. Seattle has been the site of prolonged unrest following the, you know, the George Floyd incident. Interstate 5 has been closed at times for protests in the week since. Dozens of people were arrested this week in connection with the protests after authorities cleared the Chaz. Early on Saturday morning, video on social media showed a white car traveling at a high speed navigate around two vehicles, which were positioned across the lanes as a barrier. The car careened toward a handful of protesters on the freeway, striking two who flew into the air before landing on the ground. Further details were not immediately available, but state troopers planned a press conference for 4 a.m. local time. Seattle police tweeted, that they were assisting the state patrol at southbound lanes of the, uh, of the freeway and as the southbound lanes of the freeway remained closed for investigation. So there's, there's, there's still riots happening. Let's talk about what happened in Seattle. I can't show you the videos, but I've pulled up. There's a live stream on the freeway. Somebody was streaming on the freeway. There's two vehicles. A car is coming around a curve it's a, so, so here's what people don't understand, man. I tell you this. When you're driving 60, 70 miles an hour or whatever, whatever the speed limit is, probably going 60, right? It's 55, you're going five over. People don't realize that those white lines in the road, what are those, like 10 feet? They're huge. But because we're going so fast, they look a lot shorter. So it's like a common internet fun fact. Did you know the white lines in the road are 10 feet long? And you're like, no way, they look like they're so short because you're going fast. So you can have a very long stretch And if you're standing still, it looks like a car could see you in time, but they can't. They can't. Now, there's conflicting reports as to what happened and how it happened. Some are saying that the highway was closed off. This car should not have been able to have gotten on the highway at all. Some people are saying that he drove up an exit ramp 
No idea. Have, have no idea. I can tell you this. The person probably had no idea what was going on. And by the time they came around this curve, there's a white van, no lights on, a black car, no lights on. They see it. They swerve out of the way. They had a split second to stop and they didn't. And when they swerved past the, the van, what happens on the other side of that van? A bunch of people were standing in the street. Boom, boom. They go flying in the air, they hit the ground. This is this, it's a horrifying tragedy, man. But I mean, it's 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 shocking to me that people are acting like, the, of course, the left is trying to claim it was an intentional attack. They want to use it as propaganda. That's just absurd. Now, the driver did apparently flee. The police then pursued and they, they have the driver in custody. That's my understanding. But I'll tell you what, man, would you stop? Would anybody stop after that shooting in Provo? After everything we've seen? Nah, they're not going to stop. I wonder if they call the police. We'll see what happens. For now, I think any, any, it's, it's hard to know exactly what went down, right? If it's true, this car went around, a, you know, a closure sign because they, and they were ignoring the road closure. They're in serious trouble. If they just made a mistake and maybe went up the wrong ramp, that could really be what have happened. For all we know, this person was looking for the entrance to the highway and they saw the wrong, they, they, they went up the wrong ramp, got on the highway somehow. I don't know. I have no idea. In any normal circumstance, I'd have to imagine the driver would not be at fault. However, we're in the realm of morality policing and Seattle is on the side of the, of the fanatics. They are. The only reason that Chaz got shut down is because they went to the mayor's house, but she has routinely supported them, downplayed the violence. Apparently they're even saying that they shut down the highways for the protesters. These, the, the, the government loves what these people are doing. Now you have to consider what I've said over and over again. Do you want to deal with the mob smashing and destroying things or just arrest one person because they hit somebody? Here's what we're getting. The left is saying it's very clearly manslaughter. You know, I'm getting people tweeting at me like, how could you defend manslaughter? Shut up. Yeah, these people are so stupid. If you're driving down the highway and some random people put a van in the road, how are you supposed to do anything to avoid this? You've got you've got a second and a half. You see it. What do you do? You swerve out of the way. Could you see anyone on the other side? No, of course not. So now people are hit. You want to know what really, really made me angry, but I got to admit, made me laugh. Not because it's funny, but the sheer absurdity of the place we're at. What are these people protesting for? What is their mantra? What is their call? Defund the police. Not every single person. But I mean, the gist of the protests are about not liking cops, right? I turn on a live stream from, uh, it's a recording now, from somebody who filmed the aftermath. And they're all yelling, call the police, help the police. Where are they? Oh, geez. And guess who runs in full speed to provide life-saving emergency response? A police officer. That's right. This cop who knows these people hate him. This cop who knows that they're protesting against you still drove in when, 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 when he was called and rushed out to try and save these protesters' lives. It's almost like it's all fake, right? Like it's one big stupid game to these kids. If they really thought the cops were bad, they wouldn't call for help. They'd say, we'll take care of ourselves. I mean, they did that in the Chaz. But no, they don't actually think so. They're just privileged elitists who have nothing else to do. So they, they, they're just mindlessly going like, yeah, cops are bad. Oh no, quick, call the police. And that's what they did. 
I am extremely grateful to that officer who was able to get there. Uh, hopefully these, these people both make it. One person has serious injury, injuries. One person is critical. Hopefully that officer arriving on time may have saved this woman's life. And um, I mean, keep your fingers crossed, man. We, we do not want to see an escalation in violence. But I'm, I'm worried about now what the results of this uh, for the driver will be. Even if the man, if the driver did enter, you know, a closed highway, you're in trouble. You're in serious trouble. Apparently, the cops are saying they don't know how this driver got up on the highway. It's supposed to be closed. But that could just be leftist propaganda. And I don't trust anything that comes out of their mouths. They want it to be a, a targeted attack. They want to go, help, help, I'm being repressed. When in reality, they just decided in the middle of the night when it's dark out to block a road and stand in the middle of the street. It's funny seeing, you know, people who aren't from America ask questions about this, saying things like, I saw one person say, you know, was there a guard or something to stop the pedestrians? And people are like, yo, bro, yeah, you, you can't walk on an interstate highway, period. You can't even, you can't bring a bicycle, non-motorized vehicles. In fact, some highways don't allow even mopeds. You got to have a certain engine size. So for these people to be walking around, man, I tell you what, there's a, there's, there's a lot going on. Donald Trump gave a speech last night. Inspirational. A lot of people are cheering him on. He's announced that he's going to be setting up a, a garden of heroes, statues of very famous and celebrated historical figures, and he wants them to be realistic depictions. This in response to the far left trying to destroy, just destroy everything. I got to say, I really like it. You know, Trump can do a lot of things. He can protect our statues, but he's actually swung the pendulum full in the other direction. He's going to build new statues. It's interesting. However, the reason I bring this up is that the New York Times, the Wall Street, uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the LA Times are calling it divisive, dark, saying that Trump is leaning into the culture war. Yeah. Should, should, should we all just ignore? Look at this, what I pulled up. This is from flashalert.net, July 3 to 4th, uh, 3rd to 4th demonstrations in downtown Portland. This is what, look at this tweet. This is from 7.28 a.m. Eastern time this morning. The federal courthouse was attacked and a riot what has been declared immediately dispersed to the West or you are subject to arrest, force or munitions. Amazing. As if these people are on Twitter and it's going to do anything. But hey, they announced it, right? It's not stopping in Portland and Seattle. So Trump's going to deploy. He's got Homeland Security, a special unit. It's called, I think it's called PACT. I forgot what it stands for. And Federal Protective Services. We'll see. Let me read you the, 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 the press relief, a press, a press release from the Portland Police Bureau. They say a group of a couple hundred demonstrators gathered near the, the Justice Center on July 3rd for several hours. The group blocked the street on the Southwest 3rd Avenue. We don't need, uh, you know, during this time, a couple demonstrators set off commercial grade fireworks on Southwest Main Street, where the elk statue used to stand. Around 11 p.m., demonstrators began marching to Waterfront Park for about 45 minutes. Demonstrators rallied in the park at 11.45 p.m., they marched back to Southwest 3rd Avenue and gathered in the street around 12.53 a.m. So mind you, this is around 3 or 4 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. A few of the demonstrators began throwing rocks at the federal courthouse building. Some of these rocks broke windows. At around 1.30 a.m., some demonstrators began shooting the commercial grade fireworks toward the Justice Center. Many demonstrators were carrying makeshift shields and sticks. So let me, let me break down this tactic for you, okay? They want to do it slowly. They don't want to start with a, with a hard attack on the courthouse, which immediately incites a police response. They throw a rock, window breaks. Okay, okay, window's broken. Then they wait a little bit. 
Then they try firing the launching the fireworks into the broken windows. You see one step at a time, take out the window, then you can get the fireworks inside. They've been trying to burn this place to the ground. Some individuals, individuals began dragging fencing material and barricades and constructing a fence in the area. Several small fires were lit throughout the night, including some dumpster fires, but Portland Fire and Rescue personnel were, uh, were not required. There were also several, several arguments and physical fights within the group, but they all broke up without police intervention. In ongoing efforts to de-escalate the situation, PPB members stayed away from the demonstrators as there was not an identified life safety risk. At about 4 a.m., the federal courthouse was attacked, a riot was declared, and efforts were made to get the crowd to disperse, including numerous warnings to leave the area or be subject to arrest or force. PBB did not deploy CS gas at any point. This is still an active situation, and the area near the courthouse is still impacted, including Southwest 3rd and Main. Traffic in the area may be impacted. Use caution if driving near the Justice Center and federal courthouse. I tell you what, don't drive near them. Don't. Um, Because you don't want to be in a car near these people, especially with everything going on in Seattle or, or otherwise. Look, man, this stuff's been going on for over a month now. I don't think you can call it a demonstration. They're not demonstrating anything. They're trying to burn down a courthouse. So what do you want to call it? I'm just, I'm, 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 I don't know, man. I have no idea. It just seems like everything keeps escalating. So we have, we have, we have this news because this is what happened yesterday. Nine arrested after Portland riot. Feds arrest one. This is from the day before. It's been a sustained assault, I suppose. And so, so you know, what's, what's, what's interesting, interesting to me is the response to Donald Trump's speech last night. I don't know if you saw it, but he was at Mount Rushmore and he was talking about defending America. He was talking about, you know, protecting our statues. He really did lean into the culture war. And it, when I saw these tweets, when I saw this tweet, check this out from the New York Times. Breaking news. President Trump delivered a dark and divisive speech at Mount Rushmore leading into the culture wars and barely mentioning the pandemic because the New York Times is on the other side of those culture wars. No matter what he does, they'll come after him. It's wrong. It's bad. We've got the New York Times. Trump uses Mount Rushmore speech to deliver divisive culture war message. The LA Times at Mount Rushmore, Trump, you know, tries to stoke a culture war. I got to stop and mention, though, take a look at this photo. They have this photo from the screen behind Trump showing Mount Rushmore with his face next to Lincoln. Wow, that's a bold photo choice, LA Times. I get the point you're trying to make, but that's a positive look for the president. Sure, sure. And then we have, uh, this is from the Washington Post. At Mount Rushmore, Trump exploits social divisions, warns of left-wing culture revolution in dark speech ahead of Independence Day. Yes, because it's happening. And of course, because the media is on the other side of that culture war, they favor the culture revolution. It's not so much that they do, but that these, these organizations have been completely overrun. The New York Times recently had a big controversy where 150 or so staffers threatened to leave or, or, or they did a, it was some kind of digital strike, I suppose. An editor was forced to resign because they had published the story by uh, an, an op-ed by Senator Tom Cotton saying that Trump should call in the military to stop the rioting. This is earlier uh, in the month or last month, I'm sorry. And so these organizations are completely on one side of things. It made me wonder what makes the speech dark and divisive. If Donald Trump comes out and says, I love America, I will defend America, I will stop people from tearing down our statues and monuments, and they call that dark. Interesting. Think about it. What does that really mean? It means they think it's wrong 
to defend the Constitution, the flag, Mount Rushmore, the 4th of July. I mean, the things they were saying, the CNN said that Trump was having an event during a pandemic. It's like an event. It's Independence Day. It's, it's, it's the birth of this nation. Take a look at this story from CNN. Leila Santiago, Mount Rushmore's a monument of two slave owners on land wrestled away from Native Americans. They've jumped the shark, man. And now they're straight up saying that it was dark and divisive. They're on the other side of this. And I wonder if there's even a chance that things are brought together. They keep saying that Trump is not unifying. Trump is divisive. Uh, I'm sorry, man. You know, Trump, Trump, Trump is a symptom, in my opinion, of the divide. But the media has caused all of this, all of it. I love that meme. They say, get rid of the media and watch all of these problems disappear overnight. It's true. And, and you know what? I'll take criticism for that as well, because I, I had this conversation on the IRL podcast. You know, we do it at night, uh, at night, Monday through Friday, saying, you know, there are people who are messaging me saying you're talking too much about the unrest and the conflict. And I'm like, I talk about things that I think are important. You know, and some people have said it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're talking about it. It's making it worse. You're highlighting things. They're not relevant, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, man, people have died. People are dying. We've had an ongoing month of, of unrest that's been, it escalated dramatically in the beginning of the month. It's flickered. And now we're seeing this stuff, even at Trump's event, protesters pulled up with white vans, pulled the wheels off, pulled the tires off. Am I supposed to pretend like these things aren't happening? You know, people, what, 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 what do they want me to talk about? I look at the news every day and I see big breaking stories. And the big breaking story right now is people were on a highway and they got hit. Do I just ignore these pro- ongoing protests blocking highways and the escalation? Maybe, maybe that's what really they, they, want, they want to happen. When these, when these news outlets continually write about everything being awful and being the worst, myself included, yeah, people start to, to build that, that mindset and that worldview. And maybe that's why they're so hell bent on censorship. So they can stop anyone from finding out what's happening out of fears that it'll make things worse. I honestly don't know, man, but I'll tell you this. I think the people have a right to know, and I think the people choose what they want to see. People like to accuse me and even these news outlets of purposefully choosing these stories because we know it's clickable and stuff like that. And that's absolutely not true, at least for independent commentary and independent journalists. It's partially true for big news organizations. The reality is, Someone sees something they think is important, they're going to talk about it. And that's what I'm doing. I can't tell you uh, why these newsrooms want to uh, write these stories. But for the most part, when it comes to, say, The Guardian writing about the, the car accident, it's because a car accident happened, because somebody drove down the highway and hit somebody, and because it's freaking us all out. Will it get worse? I honestly don't know, but I can only imagine, right? It's interesting to me that people are, are surprised by the continued escalation and, you know, threat to life, threat to liberty in the pursuit of happiness. We have right now people in Portland who are just who are tr- literally trying to burn down a courthouse for like the past several days. They've been rioting for a month trying to set up an autonomous zone. The police have not been able to stop these people. I don't understand why they haven't just swept in and arrested everybody. Seattle's really, really awful as well. And today on the 4th of July, Homeland Security and federal protective services are being deployed. I'm sorry, man. This is important stuff. And it's, it's, it's what's in the news. One thing I find truly interesting about all of this, I see some people, some commentators, particularly on the left, they'll, they're, they're, they're talking about Trump as though nothing else is happening. 
And it's the weirdest thing to me. You know, I look at I, 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 my Twitter feed, the people I follow, left, left, left wing, right wing, you know, mainstream news organizations and, and reporters, even reporters I, I'm very critical of. That's how I know to be critical of them because I follow and see what they have to say, right? Isn't it funny how free speech works? And these are the big stories. When, I, when I'm on Twitter and I'm looking at what the left and the right are talking about, they're talking about this speech. They're talking about the car accident. It's become a big issue. Yet there are some people that are in like an entirely different dimension where they're like, did you hear Trump had two salt shakers that were bigger? I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. It's, and I'm like, where, where is that news cycle? They, they, you know, some people went really, really hard into the Russia uh, bounty story. And I'm like, it was one story. You've got to wait for confirmation and verification. Nothing really came of this. And people are like, why won't you talk about it, Tim? What do you mean? Because every single time they go, Russia, it turns out to be fake news. And then guess what? Trump denied it. And the White House denied it. And the NSA somewhat denied it, saying it's questionable and we can't verify. What do you want me to report on? An anonymous source for the New York Times that I don't know is claiming something happened and we haven't confirmed it. That's insane. And every single time a story like that comes out, it's debunked in two or three days. But people just want to pretend like there's, there's more important things than people being attacked than the 4th of July. So look, man, I wish, I wish the best for, for, for our country. And when I look at Donald Trump giving that speech, it just seems like regular old America talking about defending our statues and monuments that the left is trying to tear down these things. They literally are. They're literally doing this. Does the media expect Trump to take a middle of the road approach on the desecration of abolitionists, a middle of the road approach on people being beaten in the streets? What is he supposed to do? Come up and say, I'm going to to try and unify this country, tearing down some statues. Fine. Violence and mob, you know, mob rule is, is somewhat OK. No, he's going to stand hard line on the Constitution and the rule of law because he has to. But because the far left has gone so far off the rails, they're like, well, Trump's being divisive. Yet when you have violent lunatics running around causing property destruction, you want Trump to cater to that? Sorry, that's against the law. These people who are blocking the highways, they're breaking the law. The people attacking the courthouse, trying to burn it down, launching fireworks at it. They're breaking the law. Is Trump supposed to support them? Just because you support them doesn't mean it's div- doesn't, doesn't make it divisive when Trump says they're breaking the law. I'll leave it there, man. It's 4th of July. We'll see what happens tonight. Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. For the longest time, those of us who have been tracking and talking about the culture war have referred to the far leftists as intersectionalists, SJWs, the far left, the woke left, etc. In recent times, though, that group has now shielded itself using the name Black Lives Matter. Of course, there is an overlap. And there are many Black Lives Matter leaders, organizers, who are overtly Marxist and say as much and adhere to woke intersectionalism. A lot of people's understanding of what Black Lives Matter is and how it started has nothing to do with the woke far left. It's it's, it's something I talk about quite a bit. Now, unfortunately, I'm sorry, man. Black Lives Matter has now become an official brand of intersectionalism. And when you reference Black Lives Matter, the average person is now going to start thinking of violent riots. They're going to start thinking of ideas like white privilege. But if you take a look at some of the original activists, the, the original messaging or something like, you know, Dave Chappelle would say, the big concern was about the violations of a person's civil liberties. Typically, these protesters feel 
that the police were disproportionately killing unarmed black Americans. I'm going to stop right there and just say straight up, listen, man, if you come to me and say that here's a here's a story about a person whose civil liberties were violated, that an agent of the state in some capacity killed them and it was unjust. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm on board. Totally. Let's figure out what this problem was. I'm all about freedom and and we cannot be a free country if people are being are, are having their rights violated. I'm totally down for that conversation. So when I hear Dave Chappelle talk about it, I'm like, right on, right on, man. I, I, I hear you. And, and there's, there's a lot of whataboutism. But the bigger problem, in my opinion, is the hijacking of the of the issue. Now, of course, many original Black Lives Matter activists are fully on board with far leftism and all that stuff. But let's even just remove the brand name and say, listen, I don't care what your color is. I don't care where you come from. If somebody kills you and it's un, it's an unjust killing, I want justice. All right. That means if it's the police or anybody else. So I'm down to listen to these stories. But now we are seeing kind of a wave of black community leaders expressing their disdain and their anger over what's going on with the hijacking of Black Lives Matter, or more importantly, just their cause fighting against police brutality. I got this story from the AP from today. Violence Mars Portland protests frustrates the black community. How about this story from from the Chaz? Members of African-American Council are booed as they tell protesters in Seattle's autonomous zone that they've hijacked the Black Lives Matter movement. Check this out. BBC bans Black Lives Matter badges after a campaign accused of hijacking George Floyd's death for political reasons. Yeah, it stands to reason. There are good Americans in this country of all colors who are frustrated that a fringe far left economic and cultural ideology, a non-theistic religion, are trying to manipulate race relations in order to make some kind of political changes to this country. And of course, I bring you this. Check out this poll. Three in four voters and a majority of black Americans oppose tearing down Mount Rushmore. Now, the conversations about tearing down Mount Rushmore aren't like I don't want to say they're expansive like they're everywhere, but the activists are get, getting more and more press attention because the woke left has allies in media and the media is desperate for some kind of narrative. While I don't necessarily know if we need to be talking about protecting Mount Rushmore for the most part, it is a conversation that's creeping up. Let, let, me, let me clarify what, I'm, what I mean by that. 99.9% of Americans are probably not talking about tearing down Mount Rushmore, but the friend ele- fringe elements of the left are. And unfortunately, many of them are in positions of power. What's disconcerting to me is that we have seen Columbus statues removed in places like Columbus, Ohio. What? And through no Democratic vote, the government was just like, oh, we better remove this statue of our own city's namesake. What? (laughs) You're going to change your name too? The absurdity is that the far left can come out. They're a fringe element, not voted. Nobody elected them. And they scream until you tear down something down. And then instead of having an actual, you know, city council meeting, the, the, the executors, the executives of these of these cities just go, OK, whatever the far left wants. That's the problem. That's why this poll is actually very important, because you know what you'd find in this country? I think the fact that we can see that there are white people, that there are black people, that there are Asian people, Latinos on both the left and the right arguing over this proves it is not about race. If if a white leftist can argue to a black conservative and tell them they're wrong, clearly the issue is not the race of the people. It's the ideology. And thus, we are going to see more and more stories 
from about members of the black community angry that these revolutionary type young people are trying to stage a revolution. They're rioting. That's exactly what's happening. My utmost respect to any one of these groups that wants to fight for for justice uh, when they're facing a perceived threat. And I really do mean perceived because I'll tell you this right now. There's a lot of arguments that I see online where they say, oh, you know, uh, not that many unarmed black men were actually killed last year. And I'm like, I hear you. However, one's too many. One, one is too many. And of course, there are unarmed innocent white people and Latinos and, pe- and Asians, people of all different backgrounds, Middle Eastern people, whatever, Indians, Native American. I mean, literal India not try- and Native Americans. You give me any story and say, check this video out. These cops cross the line and I'll be like, let me know what you need because I am not okay with the, with the state killing people. I'm against the death penalty. So it's like, uh, so listen, if someone comes to me and they say, I'm concerned about members of my own community being killed, I'll be like, right on. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to immediately say like, well, what about these other groups? I'll be like, hey, let's put together a list of people who have been unjustly harmed and figure out what we can do to, to get justice in this matter. And that means there's going to be a lot of fervent activists on all sides who want their issue addressed first. You know what? It's it's a tough conversation, but I don't know how you prioritize who's more deserving of immediate action. And this is one of the big problems, in my opinion, with the actual, the, the, the general Black Lives Matter idea where they say that Black Lives Matter need help more than other lives. And it's where I can actually understand the idea that all lives matter. But listen, my, my reaction to Black Lives Matter would not be to say all uh, to go up to them and say all lives matter. I'd say I'd say right on, man. Let me let me know who these people are. There, there are some other people that have lost their lives too. Other groups are concerned. I'm not going to pretend that anyone is more or less deserving of 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 timeliness in resolving these. I just hope anybody, regardless of your race, can understand why people really are like this is my community. Somebody I you know somebody in my community died. Dude, death is shocking to people. So yeah, they're going to get heated. They're going to get emotional. That's why it's like, it, it kind of does bum me out that all lives matter is viewed so negatively by Black Lives Matter, because we can just be like, hey, both, like for, for real, man, we're not going to ignore any one of these unjust killings just because there's uh, the word black or the word all. At least for me, I'm down with trying to help everybody out in this regard. Nobody should be killed in these circumstances. And I'm totally down for police reform. But let's, let's, let's actually read. Otherwise, I'll just keep ranting on this. What does the black community actually think about the violent revolutionaries? They're not too happy, it would seem. The AP reports, protesters in this liberal, predominantly white city have taken to the streets peacefully every day for more than five weeks to decry police brutality. But violence by smaller groups is dividing the movement and drawing complaints that some white demonstrators are co-opting the moment. As the Portland protests enter a second month, They have shifted on several nights from the city's downtown core to a historically black neighborhood in North Portland that's already buckling under the effects of white gentrification and has the most to gain or lose from the uh, outrage in the streets. Late last week, some protesters barricaded the doors of a police precinct a half block from Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard and set fire to the building, which also houses black owned businesses, including an Ethiopian restaurant and a barber school. Full stop. Ethiopian food. Amazing. You ever have it? It's like they, they, they have this big pancake and they put all this like very well spiced meats on it. I got to say, really great stuff. I am I am outra- I'm just outraged in general at the vandalism and stuff. But I got to give a special shout out. How dare you burn down an Ethiopian restaurant? I love Ethiopian food. 
Tuna, I'm, I'm somewhat kidding. I mean, don't vandalism is all bad. I, I like other food, too. Two nights later, a potluck at a park in the heart of the black community morphed into another violent clash with police who unleashed tear gas to quell the crowd of several hundred people. On Friday, a Portland man was arrested for his role in an overnight attack on the Hatfield Federal Courthouse. U.S. Attorney Billy J. Williams said Rowan M. Olson, 19, a.k.a. Kiefer Allen Moore, was arrested by the Federal Protective Services early Friday morning, he said in a news release. Olson is scheduled to appear in federal court on Monday, uh, Williams said. The change has angered and frustrated some in the black community who say a white fringe element is distracting from their message with senseless destruction in a city where nearly three quarters of the residents are white and less than 6% are black. I want to stop you right there. What are we hearing? The black community is speaking up saying we don't want revolution. They stop burning down, trying to burn down a courthouse. That's that's sad. That's that's frustrating to me because I'm listen, man. I don't if, 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 if you're a Trump supporter, if you're white, and you come to me and say, hey, man, look at this white, you know, this white guy who was killed by the cops. I'm going to be like, man, that's awful. Like, what can we do to solve this? And if you're Black Lives Matter, you come to me and say, look at these people, look at these people who are killed. I'll be like, that's terrible, man. We got to solve this. Let's 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 just let's figure out how to solve this. But then all of a sudden, if Antifa shows up, starts throwing fireworks, explosives, trying to burn down buildings and Black Lives Matter, actual members of the black community are saying, stop this. You're making it worse for us. I'm right there with you. Knock it off, man. The adults are having a conversation about people's civil liberties, man. We have a right. We have a Fifth Amendment right to due process and the right to remain silent, mind you, but due process, meaning if a police officer suspects you of a crime, they can't just kill you. So we got to figure out how to navigate these problems for everybody. And if you want to make the argument that one group is in more need than another, that's fine. I'm just letting you know, I'm going to do everything I can to allocate my time to help everyone. And I don't know who is more or less deserving. That's the big challenge. So I'm not going to try and make some argument about, oh, what about this group? I'll say, right on, man, I hear you. Let me know what you need from me because I'll speak up and say no to that stuff. But I'm, 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 I'm personally sick and tired of the faux whiny revolutionaries who think they're going to foment some Marxist revolution. Yes, there are minority individuals of all different races and, and, and creeds even who are a part of this new branded Black Lives Matter. But there are still, in my opinion, based on the data we've seen, a majority of Americans, be it white, Latino, black, Asian or otherwise, who do not want a revolution, who do love this country. And this, in my opinion, suggests that all of this violence and this anger is going to result in Donald Trump winning. Now, hold on. I'm not saying I think he's on track to win. I'm saying this can lend itself to a Donald Trump victory. I'm actually not. Well, you know what, man? Look, a lot of people have been claiming that I flip flopped a little bit. The reality is, yes, in the sense that news keeps changing and Trump really is on a thin, you know, on a fine line. I don't believe necessarily right now he has uh, averted his path towards defeat. For a long time, I thought he was going to landslide. It's not unusual. We had mass riots. Trump's approval was higher than ever. And then it tanked. And I said, wow, maybe he won't win. That's not like a hard flip flop. That's like, oh, his polling dropped. You know, his approval rating dropped. But think about this. There, there are still some signs that Trump has a decent potential. According to the primary election forecast model, 91%. 91%. But when you see members of the black community standing up and saying no to the far left, and Joe Biden is not calling this out, and Trump is the one giving this, this grandiose speech saying like, you know, America and all this, all this great stuff, 
I have to imagine there are people of all backgrounds saying, yes, please. You know, we, we've been winning this fight. And I really do mean it. The, the, the people who want civil liberties for all groups have continuously won. They're sharing this viral photo right now showing the, uh, the, the famous painting of the Declaration of Independence. And they're like, look how many people were slave owners. I'm like, yeah, and look how many of them lost. They created a country. They created a framework. And 100 years later or 80 years later or so, Frederick Douglass came out and said, look what you wrote. Look what you said. Are you going to defend what you wrote? Aha. And he was right. 100%. We are all created equal. Individual human beings. And we can have a discussion about animal rights too. But for now, human beings, no matter what your, your background is, your race, your religion, your creed, your national origin, your identity, your orientation, we all have God-given inalienable rights. And if you're not religious, I'm not, you, you can take it figuratively. What it means is we are born into a world where no one else can tell us within reason because you don't want to, you, you can't infringe on other people's rights as well. Let's, let's read this. I'm going to show you this quote. Quote, this is not the Black Lives Matter movement. This is chaos. Kali Ladd, executive director of Kairos PDX, wrote in a Facebook post, these white actors are enacting dominance in a different form under the guise of equity. White supremacy has many forms. Here, here, brother, 100%. I keep saying it. These are people who are trying to pretend like they care about racism. What they really want is destruction. The, I don't think any of these Antifa people have any idea what they're actually fighting for. What do you want to call them? They just want to burn everything down. And they're doing it in the name of people who are trying to fight for, for justice. That's, 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 that to me is particularly annoying. Now, I'm not going to speak on behalf of, of the actual Black Lives Matter movement or its organizers. They're not unified. But I, I tell you this, man, seriously, if you watch Dave Chappelle's stand-up routine, it wasn't really even, I don't even know if it was stand-up, and it was called 846. He's not talking about Marxism or taxes or Amazon or any of these weird far lefty things. He's talking about people who were killed and that if we don't figure out how to solve this, you're going to have retaliation. He's right. You, you don't have to agree with him to hear what he has to say. But I tell you this, man. I loved what Dave Chappelle talked about because it was it was an articulated thought that maybe it's wrong. I know some people disagreed, but it doesn't matter. Are you going to hear out this guy? He's clearly not on board with cancel culture. He has something to say, and maybe he's wrong. I'm going to hear him out. Let's have a conversation about it and move forward with these things and figure out how we can make people feel better in this country. There's a limit to how much I'm willing to actually placate your feelings. You know what I mean? But within reason, I want to know why you feel the way you do because we see a lot of really angry people and sometimes they're wrong and we can solve that and make them feel better by just talking to them, giving them the facts. And then maybe, you know, maybe we'll learn something too if we're willing to, to, uh, to listen. Maybe, look, I'll tell you this, man. When you see a lot of angry people, because of the far left lunatics, I think there's an immediate reaction to be like, these people are nuts. They're all crazy. Yes, the Antifa people for sure. But there are Littered within any one of these protests, real people with real concerns and real grievances, and you'll find them. Unfortunately, that message is drowned out totally by the woke intersectionalism that's just been taking over. So how do we navigate that? I don't know, but I'll tell you what, what we want, we want this, we want this. Three in four voters, majority of black Americans oppose tearing down Mount Rushmore. Right on. There were two other polls showing the majority of Americans have a positive view of all lives matter. All Lives Matter doesn't need to be a counter statement. And so I think there are people, there, there's a couple phrases that have popped up. Black Lives Matter too, and all Black Lives Matter and all, you know, whatever. There, 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 there's got to be some kind of attempt at unity. 
that we don't need to be arguing with each other. Because now you've got Black Lives Matter, you got All Lives Matter, you got Blue Lives Matter. You know what, man? Life matters. Life matters completely. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of moral questions and ethical conundrums, particularly like uh, pro-choice versus pro-life. But we got to be able to sit down and talk about how we move forward and protect the best of our abilities, each other. Here's the problem. I think we're entering a point where it, we're not going to be able to, right? L- l- let me make sure I go back and get some, some of the full context here. They say, here's another quote. It has nothing to do with helping black people. These hoodlums are needlessly scaring neighbors and their children, said Ron Herndon, who has fought for racial justice in Portland for four decades and led a school boycott in 1979 after the city closed predominantly black schools. At some point, enough is enough. Here, here, man, I'm, I'm, I, have, I have tremendous respect for these people to finally call out the, 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 these zealous fringe lunatics. How many of the media woke leftists, their allies, the lunatics allies, have pretended like looting was some kind of beneficial thing? It's a lie. I've seen it over and over again. It is a lie. They say in defense of looting, not kidding. Google search that phrase in defense of looting. And they try and justify the destruction and chaos wreaked upon these marginalized communities by acting as though they're actually defying the system. No, they don't come. They come from other places. The looters and the rioters, the extremists, the zealots, they have hijacked what this cause was supposed to be about. And now it's working. The Democrats are bending the knee. Major corporations are bending the knee when in reality, the real movement is about, hey, man, some people lost their lives when they shouldn't have. And the police should be held accountable when they do this. And that's that's true. They're, they're, I'm, I'm totally down with reform. I am absolutely not down with demonizing the entirety of our, of our police force across the country because so many cops are trying their hardest. But these extremists want to do that because they just want to watch it all burn. They want their stupid faux revolution. Man, the zealots. I wish they could get a taste of the world they so craved because people don't want what they're selling. They're just hijacking it. Look at this. Quote, people in that neighborhood were upset. That's not something they're going to tolerate. And they came out and were very vocal, Level said. I think people sometimes look at the protest movement as one homogenous group. And there's definitely a segment here that is very violent. Absolutely. The Rose City justice marches and rallies attracted a diverse crowd of 10,000 people a night at one point. High school students marched arm in arm. Just we get it. So you, you, you get the point, right? We also have this story I covered from, from the Chaz, where African-American council members were actually booed by these people. You know, man, I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this, this insanity. It's, it's this weird Marxist. It's this weird intersectionalism. And they absolutely have hijacked what regular Americans have been asking for. And they're manipulative too. That they're getting a ton of people angry with fake news and lies. I was in Ferguson, and this story is so important. A group of young black men were linking arms to protect the liquor store, the famous liquor store on on, on Florissant, where this all started. They were protecting it from looters. And when they were interviewed, they said, the people looting don't live here, man. They're destroying our neighborhood. We don't want this. Take a look what happened in Atlanta. When the looters went around destroying all the businesses downtown, and a bunch of high profile black celebrities were saying, what are you doing to our community? And that makes me so angry, man. It makes me angry that under the guise of actually fighting against racism, they destroy marginalized communities. That's what makes me angry. When I see people on the, on the far left, these anti people yelling racial slurs and they're white people doing it. I'm like, it's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the craziest thing. 
And I've told this to so many people, those who are willing to listen. Why is it that when I talk to Trump supporters, race isn't an issue? It's not. It's just, it's just not there. Why is it that when I'm in Portland, I see a proud boy, supposedly this far right racist group, the dude's black. And, and who is calling him racial slurs? Antifa, the far left wearing all black, screaming at the top of their lungs. This dude got mad. And it was other proud boys who are white who stopped him, shook his hand, gave him a hug and told him not, not to be baited by them because we're all in this together. I'm like, what, what, what is this? These people are insane. They're absolutely, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, I'm, I'm tired of calling them insane, but it's true. They're nasty people and they're, and they're trying to hijack this. And unfortunately, the, these major brands, these major corporations are just giving them what they want. And you know what? Unfortunately, they do have allies of all different races and creeds who are these weird intersectionalists who have been able to hijack the movement because they're high profile. They screech the loudest, but regular Americans don't want this. I don't know what the answer is. I'm not convinced the answer is necessarily Donald Trump, but I'll tell you this. It's certainly not Joe Biden. I don't know how we solve how we solve these problems, man, but we've got a fringe element of a tiny fraction of this country who are extremely vocal and they are dominating the conversation and they are drowning out the people who actually care. The people who are white, who are black, who are Latino, who are Asian, who agree with each other on, yeah, we got problems. We're a pretty great country. We don't want a revolution. We just want things to be a little bit better. We always do. But if these people get their way, things will get a whole lot worse. So it's important to keep calling them out. So my respect to those those activists and members of the black community who have stood up to defend their rights. And I'm definitely always down to listen and try and figure out the best way we can come together to solve our problems. But it's the it's these faux revolutionary uh, intersectionalists that are causing all of the problems. They are in media. They are creating a false sense of reality. They're trying to manipulate. We can't let them do this. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at TimCast.net. Happy 4th of July. And I will see you all then. You know, I can't say I'm surprised that Colin Kaepernick has come out smearing Independence Day. I think it's part of his shtick. My, my, my opinion is this guy has made a business. He's, he's made a career out of just ragging on this country. And I got to say, I completely dis- disagree with him. But I will, I will empathize a little bit with his perspective. I want to talk about this because what I want to do is I want to show you what he said. I want to show you what, what another progressive individual said. I'm going to talk to you about what the 4th of July means to me, because I love this day. I love the 4th of July. Mostly just it was a fun day to hang out with my friends. We're going to fire up the grill, have some burgers, skateboard, you know, just chill. It's a good Saturday. Pretty cool. That happens on a Saturday. And then at night you sit back, your dog gets scared and the sky explodes. How fun is that? Well, Colin Kaepernick doesn't seem to agree. He tweeted, black people have been dehumanized, brutalized, criminalized and terrorized by America for centuries and are expected to join your commemoration of independence while you enslaved our ancestors. We reject your celebration of white supremacy and look forward to liberation for all. You see, Colin Kaepernick actually, the first thing I'll say is I respect his point. This country, even when it declared independence, still had slavery. Now, how can that make sense? You're saying that we're going to be an independent nation for the people, by the people, but a good portion of the people are property? Not okay. I certainly think so. That's horrifying. But when I see that, it says to me that our schools do a a poor job of explaining what Independence Day was really about. And it was about enlightenment ideals and an ideological revolution. 
that the government was supposed to be created, was supposed to be of the people, for the people and by the people and not by divine mandate. In fact, I think one of the funniest ways to actually explain, to to exemplify what this is, is that Monty Python bit with King Arthur and the anarcho-syndicalist commune, which I'm sure many of you have seen. And if you haven't, it's just hilarious. And I recommend you check it out. And it's actually from a long time ago. But you see, King Arthur trots up to some peasant workers who he says, I'm your king. Tell me who lives here. And they're like, I didn't vote for you. And he goes, well, you don't vote for a king. And they said, well, then how do you become king? And he says, the lady of the lake, you know, bestowed upon me Excalibur, signifying by divine providence that I would be the king of the Britons. Yeah, that was like the idea a long time ago that somebody was in charge because God said so. But something changed and there was an ideological revolution. In fact, that's actually how it's described academically. It was a political and ideological revolution. A whole bunch of new ideas emerged. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. But it was a spark. It was the, it was the spark that lit the match that burned to bring about true freedom. You see, what ended up happening is under this idea that the government must represent the people, slavery could not exist. It did, though. And seems to make no sense, right? Well, in less than 100 years, we set about killing each other in massive numbers in this country to end slavery. Certainly some fought to keep it, although there are other other ideological issues pertaining to the Civil War having to do with states' rights, secession from the secession from the Union. The true catalyst really was slavery. And Grant, as well as many other abolitionists, said the Union must survive and thus slavery must come to an end. Frederick Douglass, I'm I'm probably going to mess up his quote, but famously said uh, something to the effect of, will you stand up to the words of your own constitution? It was true. The ideological revolution that occurred on 1776 and that had been budding up for a long time wasn't fully realized. And even into the 1900s wasn't fully realized that if the government is supposed to represent the people, then people must be equal under the law in all respects. And even to this day, this country has set about granting those freedoms. So it's funny when I see points like this. Now, it's from Cameron Caskey. I think Cameron's actually an all right dude. Cam, I think you're an all right dude. He tweeted out this. I just realized today's the day American America screws itself over harder than ever because all of your dumb A's at the beach giving each other the virus while celebrating how a bunch of slave owners defeated Jonathan Groff. Well, I, 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 I look for my criticisms of even Colin Kaepernick. I'm not trying to be mean, you know, so I, I respectfully reply to uh, to Cam with this. My family celebrates the ideological revolution that government was for the people and not by divine mandate. They celebrate our civil rights victories under this framework that brought the end of miscegenation laws, finally granting them equality under the law. You know, I brought this up in my main channel segment. So if you're hearing it twice, forgive me. If you haven't seen it, go to timcast.net. It went up at four. But my family fled their home country to the United States. This is my understanding of it. At least what my family tells me. It's been a long time. They fled in the early 1900s because of horrifying things that were happening. And they came to a country where they knew they would be an extreme minority. And they knew that this country overwhelmingly favored white people. There were no, there was no such thing as civil rights law. The amazing thing about this country and the framework for which it stands, that the government is for the people of the people and by the people means that amendments must be made to accommodate the people so they are represented. And that still happens to this day. 
When my family came here, they knew they would be an extreme minority. Then they had, a, they had children. One of those uh, children married a white man, and that was illegal. Miscegenation laws existed. So even then, choosing love in the face of oppression. But guess what? It is that ideological framework of the people, for the people, by the people that ultimately lended itself to the 1964 Civil Rights Act and to Loving v. Virginia 1967. America is awesome, man. It is an ideological revolution about freedom and liberty and self-respect, which brings me now to literally the Wikipedia page for the American Revolution, which lays this all out very simply and people just don't know. Now, the screen is cut off. I'm sorry, but I'll read this. I, want, I really do want to read this and talk about the birth of republicanism and liberalism and the corruption of the terms in modern political rhetoric. People associate liberalism with leftism, and that is wrong. Most people in this country fully respect the idea of liberalism. But because the left has been viewed as liberal and they use that word interchangeably, people are now confused as to what it really means. So I bring you now to what the American Revolution truly was. And although it wasn't fully realized, look, you, when, when, you create, when, when, you, when, you, when you create a framework on paper, you still have to build it. And we're still on this journey. Don't stop now. Things are going great. They say, the American light Enlightenment was a critical precursor of the American Revolution. Chief among the ideas of the American Enlightenment were the concepts of natural law, natural rights, consent of the governed, individualism, property rights, self-ownership, self-determination, liberalism, republicanism, and defense against corruption. A growing number of American colonists embraced these views and fostered an intellectual environment which led to a new sense of political and social identity. And within this, we actually have several different ideologies. Now, interestingly, at least as Wikipedia lays this out. And again, Wikipedia is not a perfect source. In fact, it's very left biased, but it's sort of an amalgamation. It is a hive mind developing a view of what something is. In this instance, a view of the American Revolution, which, yeah, on Wikipedia, it's pretty great. Check it out. John Locke. Uh, John Locke's ideas on liberty influenced the political thinking behind the revolution, especially through his indirect influence on English writers such as John Trenchart, Thomas Gordon, and Benjamin Hoadley, whose political ideas had a strong influence on the American patriots. Locke is often referred to as the philosopher of the American Revolution due to his work in the social construct and natural rights theories that underpinned the revolution's political ideology. Locke's two treatises of government published in 1689 was especially influential. He argued that all humans were created equally free, and governments therefore needed the consent of the governed. In the late in late 18th century America, belief was still widespread in equality by creation and rights by creation. So let me well let me let me read this. The theory of the social contract influenced the belief among many of the founders that the right of the people to overthrow their leaders was one of the natural rights of man. Should those leaders betray the historic rights of Englishmen, the Americans heavily used Mont uh, Montesquieu's analysis of the wisdom of the balanced British constitution, mixed government, in writing the state and nat national constitutions. Okay, I'm not gonna be able to read you literally everything about what the, what the revolution brought about, but it brought about something very important that leftists really don't like. The right of individualism and the consent of the governed, the right to overthrow your leaders when they become destructive to these ends. 
And what do they want to impose now? Ideological rule and authoritarianism. They want to control you. They do not believe you have individual rights. They say it as much. They will not celebrate a day in which humanity finally realized the spark was ignited, that we were free individuals that could decide for ourselves. There are limits, of course. There are laws. We must respect each other. But we will not be subjected to authoritarian rule. The consent of the governed grants us the uh, we have the, the government must have the consent of the governed uh, of the governed. The left would like to impose one party rule. The communists, the Marxists, the far leftists, they want to be the authority, the guiding hand which controls everything and you will suffer beneath it. Your life will be miserable. Quite amazing how within this framework and this ideological revolution came the greatest country on the planet. Some would argue not the greatest, but I would say in many ways it is technologically through wealth, through power, through a lot of really awful things we want to get rid of that we have. But we've truly become very, very powerful and just perfect. No, of course not. Only a fool would try to argue as much. But we but we are one of the best, if not the best, simply because we allow for amendments and we are built upon the consent of the governed. There are people who would conspire to take that right away from you. I don't mean some grand global conspiracy. I mean individuals who reject the ideology and would want to shut down such a great holiday. So again, I can't read for you every single bit of the ideological revolution, but republicanism is one of these. Don't let the modern colloquial understanding of these words cloud what these words really mean. They will say Republican is bad. They will say liberal is bad. Well, at the core, these are amazing ideas. We went from being ruled by divine providence to having conversations and debates over the best ways to improve things. And guess what? That was a major evolution of political ideology, which allowed us to become extremely effective, powerful, and just. And over time, the framework expanded upon, built upon, created equality under the law. What more could you ask for? Well, these people, their response is silly. This is what someone said to me, quote, my family celebrates the monarchy because their form of government eventually led to the widespread adoption of democracy. That's what you sound like, my guy. No, no, I don't. I reject the monarchy. We have a government that can change, that can adapt, that can evolve, that will represent the people as the people's ideas change. The problem is right now we're seeing communists try to destroy this. That is not necessarily the change I'm talking about. So long as we operate underneath this general idea of the consent of the governed, then we can always maintain civil rights and equality, etc. And we can expand and do things right. Just because you want power doesn't mean these ideas are bad. So I send it back to Colin Kaepernick. I can certainly respect that the creation of this nation slavery existed. And it was a horrifying, horrifying thing. And I, I don't I don't think it's as simple as just saying you can forget about it. I totally understand the history that comes from it. But my family had literally nothing and were oppressed under, you know, the format, how this country functioned for a while, too. And while it's not one for one, I'm not going to hold a grudge. Colin, you're super rich. You've had a great life. So have I. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to fight to make things better. I'm going to respect the country for what it is and the things they've given me and my family. Maybe it won't be perfect, but we'll keep fighting to keep making things better. And that I can accept. Stick around. A couple more segments coming your way in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. In an additional follow-up to my main channel segment over at TimCast.net, I wanted to discuss Donald Trump's repost to the far left, why he's not just going to defend the statues, he's going to build a whole lot more. I love it. 
I really, really do. I'm a big fan of statues. I like putting up statues to uh, a variety of living things, not just individuals. Did you know that in Japan, there is a statue for a dog named Hachiko? You see, Hachiko waited for nearly a decade for his friend who had died. A professor at university had a stroke and never came back. And Hachiko waited for nearly a decade for that train to come back with his best friend. We'll call him best friend. But he never did. And Hachiko didn't know he died and he never gave up hope. So they built a statue for this dog. There's also a funny little uh, post going around on Reddit of a famous chubby little cat who would always lean up against a stair like, uh, on one of the stairs, like that guy from the Dos Equis commercial, you know, I don't always. And when the cat died, they built a statue in his honor. Statues just allow us to remember. It makes sure we don't forget. So when there are a lot of statues of people that I don't like, the Confederates, then I think you can have a conversation about removing them, maybe putting them in a, in a, in a museum because we don't want to forget. So I still will respect what the statues are and why they were built. Even if I don't like the people they represent, we can still put them in a museum so we know what they are and why they were created. But there are a lot of really great people that I think are awesome. And so Donald Trump has said to the far left, if you want to tear down statues, I'm going to one up you. I'm not just going to stop you from doing it. I'm going to build a ton more statues Ain't nothing you can do about it. It'll be on federal property. And that's that. Here's the story. Antonin Scalia, Jackie Robinson, among those picked for Trump's National Garden of Heroes. Trump promises a vast outdoor park featuring statues of the greatest Americans to ever live. I love it. I would, I would actually love to hear, uh, uh, love to see as well, can new people be nominated to be placed in this garden? Will there be extra room so that as time goes on, we can continually add new statues of figures that inspire us? Think of it like the Hollywood Walk of Fame. How many stars are for people who have long since passed, but we continually add new ones. I think it'd be really, really cool if this is what it was. Maybe it is. Let's read. Trump on Friday announced the creation of a National Garden of American Heroes to pay tribute to historically significant Americans, a garden that will include former Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia and baseball star Jackie Robinson, among past presidents, anti-slavery advocates, and others. Quote, I am announcing the creation of a new monument to the giants of our past. I am signing an executive order to establish a National Garden of American Heroes, a vast outdoor park featuring statues of the greatest Americans to ever live, he said in a fiery speech in front of Mount Rushmore Friday night. The order says, oh, I think we can pull it. We can pull it right up. That the garden to be opened before July 4th, 2024, will depict historically significant Americans who have contributed positively to America throughout our history. It comes as a response to the anti-monument fervor that has gripped segments of this country, of the country, who have taken either calling, uh, who have taken either calling for the removal of, or simply attempting to tear down monuments and statues of past American figures. The proposed names on the list include Scalia, the conservative justice who died in 2016, Robinson, who was the first black American to play in Major League Baseball, Krista McAuliffe, a teacher who died in the 1986 Challenger shuttle disaster, the Wright brothers who for the, the Wright brothers who flew the first powered flight, educator Booker T. Washington, and women's rights activist Susan B. Anthony. Now, I'm about to read a, a big list of names, and I wonder, will they, what, what are they going to say to this? I mean, you got Jackie Robinson, you got Booker T. Washington, you got Susan B. Anthony. These are, these are American heroes, man. These are people of myth and legend. These are the giants for which 
for for whose shoulders we are currently standing on. Are they going to call for these statues to be torn down? Will they call Trump a bigot and a racist for honoring these great civil rights heroes? Yeah, you, you know they will. They, 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 everything he does, they oppose. So they're going to claim this is a monument to white supremacy to reinforce what this country was founded upon, blah, blah, blah. We'll see if they actually say it. All right, but let's read. We got it. We got a list of people. You ready to hear this? The full list of proposed heroes is John Adams, Susan B. Anthony, Clara Barton, Daniel Boone, Joshua Lawrence, Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, sorry, Henry Clay, Davy Crockett, Frederick Douglass, Amelia Earhart, Benjamin Franklin, Billy Graham, Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, Martin Luther King Jr., Abraham Lincoln, Douglas MacArthur, Dolly Madison, James Madison, Krista McAuliffe, Audie Murphy, George S. Patton Jr., Ronald Reagan, Jackie Robinson, Betsy Ross, Antonin Scalia, Harriet Beecher Stowe, Harriet Tubman, Booker T. Washington, George Washington, and Orville and Wilbur Wright. I believe that's the short list, though. So I wonder if they're going to be adding more. I would like to see people be able to add, make a committee or something where people can vote and nominate, and then more statues get added later on. They say this, the list is almost certain to cause controversy, both by who is included and who is not. Scalia, as one of the most prominent conservative Supreme Court justices, is likely to cause controversy from liberals, especially as, as there is no liberal counterpart on that list. Yeah, well, I mean, he died recently and he was a Supreme Court justice. And this is where I think the trap gets set up, right? You know, Trump is going to like, OK, we'll, we'll, we'll put in a bunch of names. We'll do our best. Controversy is a Bruin. But what are you supposed to do? I, I say, how about you just propose a different justice, OK? And you'll build a statue for them. It's that, it's that simple. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that are divisive, that are controversial, I know a lot of people, right? Very, very critical of, say, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the right, I should say. I have nothing but respect for all Supreme Court justices, even the ones I really, really disagree with. And it can go back and forth. But listen, as much as I might dislike many people in in office, I have respect for people who seek to serve this country so long as I think they're acting in good faith. And the Supreme Court justices, I do. Now, I can say otherwise for most of the elected officials in Congress, but I think that when it comes to the courts and the judicial, uh, the, the, the judicial branch, for the most part, I respect them for their service. Even if I disagree with them, I think they're, they're working in service of this country in a much different way than elected officials tend to. You know what I mean? They lie, they cheat, they steal. And maybe it's true for the judges, too. They're not perfect. But for the most part, I can disagree with you, but I can respect your service to this country. They say even the presidents of founding fathers and early presidents, such as Abraham Lincoln, could prove controversial. Those calling for statues to be torn down initially had their sights on Confederate generals and figures, but have since moved on to prominent, more mainstream American figures. And that's the strategy. That's why what Trump is doing is clever. Are they going to say the whole thing is bad? It's wrong for Trump to do. Trump's going to come out and say, but it's unifying. Where's the where's they, they said Trump's speech was dark and divisive when he announced that he was going to be having all of these people. I'd say that was unifying. You've got some conservatives, you've got some civil rights heroes, you've got some liberals. Isn't that a good thing that he's trying to be balanced in this? No, the media won't call that unifying. They'll say it's dark and divisive. And once again, the, the, the conservatives just keep playing the game of the mainstream media. It's one of the problems of conservatives not running their own outlets. I mean, the Wall Street Journal is fairly conservative in their opinion section for the most part. But conservatives tend to just play catch up. Liberal institutions, and I should say leftist institutions, like the New York Times, they'll make a statement, dark and divisive. 
And instead of saying unifying, the conservatives will say something like, it's not dark and divisive. How dare you? Because it's reactive. How about they need to set the tone themselves instead of just playing catch up? In Washington, D.C., activists have targeted the Emancipation Memorial, which portrays Lincoln next to a freed slave. In Portland, Oregon, protesters tore down a statue of Thomas Jefferson. Trump spoke at Mount Rushmore, which features images of Lincoln, Jefferson, Washington, and Roosevelt. That monument has been protested for decades by Native American activists who say it was built on stolen land. Everything is stolen land, though, man. At a certain point, you just take the, you take the win, right? This country has granted equal rights, civil rights. What can we do at this point? Should we just burn everything down? We can't do that. Meanwhile, the Democratic National Committee deleted a tweet that accused Trump of glorifying white supremacy by going to Mount Rushmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know that story. I get it. The administration has pushed back aggressively against the anti-monument trend. However, dispatching rapid deployment teams of a special federal unit across the country and multiple administration figures, including Trump, have condemned the quest to remove statues. Quote, those who seek to erase our heritage want Americans to forget our pride and our great dignity so that we can no longer understand ourselves or America's destiny. In toppling the heroes of 1776, they seek to dissolve the bonds of love and loyalty that we feel for our country and that we feel for each other. Their goal is not a better America. Their goal is to end America. And surprise, surprise, how many blue check marks were like, what is Trump even talking about? Nobody wants to tear down Lincoln or Jefferson or Washington or Grant or other famous abolitionists while they are. There are a lot of people, I won't name them because they don't deserve to get any, any, any PR attention. High profile blue check marks from various news outlets who, who don't know what's going on because apparently they don't read the news. How is that? It's amazing, isn't it? They don't know what's going on. They don't read the news. They're trapped in a bubble and they have no idea that Washington, Grant and Jefferson were torn down. So Trump takes the unifying approach. I respect it. I love it. I like the statues. Make more. These people are American heroes. Notice Trump didn't elect to put up any Confederates, but still he will be criticized for it. They will claim that he's just trying to rub it in their faces, that it's divisive, that he's attacking the protesters with a waste of funds. Oh, you know it. There's nothing he can do. Well, I just hope that we get through this because I think this is a great country and I've been to a lot of other countries that are not great. And I'm worried with the big push by the far left to dissolve civil rights legislation where we're going. These people want segregation. I don't. They want to they want to they want to rewind the clock back to 1940. They want to bring us back in time. They want to undo the enlightenment. And it's happening unless we stand up and say no. But I'll, I'll leave it there. Stick around. One more segment coming up for you. That will exemplify what I'm talking about in just a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. Now, this story probably won't shock you in a certain sense, but it'll probably shock you in a different sense. Like if I were to tell you that a uh, far leftist who threw a Molotov at a cop car blamed a black guy for giving, giving her this Molotov, you'd probably be like, well, I'm not surprised that the far left uh, are racists, but I'm actually surprised that, I'm, I, I, well, maybe I'm not surprised about any of it. Maybe no one would be. I'm surprised at the circumstances of this, but I'm not surprised to find out leftists are racist, man. This is a, it's, it's literally the story. Protester blamed black man for giving her Molotov cocktail uh, gear. Then cops found note from a white painter. Really? Check this story out from the Daily Beast. When 27-year-old Samantha Shader was first arrested for allegedly throwing a Molotov cocktail at police, 
She told detectives that the supplies, including glass bottles, were given to her by a group of black men and women, according to federal courts. I'm sorry, I'm getting really mad already at this. I absolutely despise these these far left Antifa people. They are they're seriously racist people. I can't tell you. I can't stress enough. Every time I bring it up, what that 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 rage, I don't I, I, I assume they like it and the activists around them like it. But when I have stood and I have covered these stories, hearing the far left screaming racial slurs, I have never wanted to hit somebody more in my life. These people are disgusting. Let me read you this story and then maybe you'll be mad too. Weeks later, on Friday, police arrested a white man who admitted to providing the materials, 29-year-old Timothy Amerman, according to court records and a Facebook page that appears to belong to Amerman. He works as a painter in uh, Saugerties, New York, uh, Saugerties, New York. Amerman faced up to 10 years in prison if convicted of civil disorder or civil disorder conspiracy for which he was charged in a federal complaint this week. Shader allegedly threw the explosive at a police vehicle with four New York Police Department officers inside at 11 p.m. on May 29th during the nation, nationwide unrest following what happened with George Floyd. Prosecutors have claimed that Shader bit one of the officer's legs when she was being taken into custody. She was arrested early the next morning in Brooklyn and waived her Miranda rights, telling law enforcement officers that she was approached on the street and given the bottle by a black male who was in a group with one other black male and black woman. Federal prosecutors allege in the federal complaint against Amerman. So what do they do? They come out and claim the justice system is biased. It's, it's unfairly targeting minorities. Yeah. You want to know why? Historically, because people like this would tell the cops a lie to save their friends and their racists. America is great. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Most people in this country are not racist. Most people are good people, want to live together, smile, have a burger, a brat, a beer, whatever it is. Maybe you're vegan, vegetarian, you're going to have the salad on the side. But we can all hang out and be friends. And hopefully we get through these dark times. But these people seek to subvert your mind with lies They would tell you they're fighting against racism. And let me tell you, they are some of the most offensively racist people I've ever seen. I'm sorry, man. This story really, really, really gets me mad. Of all of the people to do something like this, I can't say I'm surprised. The cops caught her. The stupid revolutionary who thinks she's playing riots and rebels, going to change the world and create her Marxist utopia. And then when the police catch her, she says, oh, oh, it was the black man who gave the Molotov cocktail supplies when it wasn't because she knew what? What what did she think that they would eat up the lies that she could exploit the racism to get away with it? Shader described the man who handed the bottle to her as a thicker guy with hair and skinny dreads that were different colors. And the second man is smaller than the first who wore a hat that concealed his hair. And what happens then? What happens when the cops go out and they find somebody who looks like this and they say, you fit the description, you're coming in. And this innocent guy gets jammed up because she's racist. Shader stated that she felt it was important at the time she took the bottle because she was the only white person in the area. Just going full on for the racism. Prosecutor said that Shader, who was allegedly caught on camera hurling the bottle toward the police vehicle, had been previously arrested 11 times in 11 states. She was reportedly convicted in three of those incidents. Shader's court-appointed lawyer, Amanda David, has repeatedly declined to comment on the charges, and she did not immediately respond to a request for comment from the Daily Beast on Saturday. But when officers searched the car, Shader and her sisters drove to New York City from her home in Catskill. Police said they found a note with Amerman's fingerprints that read, 
I found a few more glass bottles than I thought I had, though still not many. I'm giving you my mask in hopes that helps. Wish I had more. There's also a big bag in here for you. Be safe, please. Really good luck. Love, Tim. Shader was previously indicted on seven charges related to the incident, and her case is pending. Her sister, Darian, was charged with resisting arrest for allegedly jumping on the back of an officer who was trying to detain Shader. During the protest for Floyd's death, the NYPD was heavily criticized for its often violent response. Yeah, 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 whatever, man. In an interview with the authorities, Amerman admitted he gave Shader the projectiles to throw at police and counter protesters, but decided against joining her to cause some hell. Amerman was set to appear in federal court in Albany on Saturday afternoon, followed by a bail hearing. He was still in custody on Saturday and did not yet have a defense attorney listed on federal court documents. What an absolute scumbag, vile, racist piece of trash. The Daily Beast is a pretty lefty publication, so I'm sure many other left, uh, left-leaning individuals and social justice, social justice activists can share in the, in, in the same feeling of anger I have for these disgusting racist morons. The funny thing about this story, I'm sure we can all get behind just how despicable this individual has. Maybe, maybe the actual, the real social justice activists can take hand with a Trump supporter and sing songs in unity about how disgusting these people are. I did a segment earlier about members of the black community complaining about Antifa and the far left hijacking their movement. It's what really, really makes me mad about all of this. Marxism, social justice, you know, intersectionalism, having nothing to do with actually fighting for true liberty and true justice. People who make careers off this, grifters, high profile celebrities and, 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 and athletes who just want to build a brand off of the perceived slights of this country, who would exploit racial divisions and tension for some stupid personal gain. That's what it's all about, huh? I pulled up this story. It's one of a million stories. It's an old story, but it exemplifies exactly this problem. This is from a website called The Undefeated, titled Being Black in a World Where White Lies Matter. In a world of fake news and alternative facts, fabricated fears can have serious consequences. And they show an image of Emmett Till, a black 14-year-old Chicago boy who he was lynched because he was falsely accused of whistling at a, at a white woman. These are times that we hold in uh, disdain, contempt, hatred. I mean, there are some things in this world that you can hate. I think so. But we try to be calm. We don't want it to get the best of us. We want to make sure we're acting rationally. I look back at the early uh, history of this country, and I see a lot of really horrifying things. But we shouldn't be looking back at horrifying things and thinking that's what this country is, because those are the things that were defeated. And that's what they do on this, the day of our ideological and political independence as Americans. Many of us didn't, you know, weren't here. Our ancestors weren't here in this, in, in this land when the country was founded. Many people came as immigrants. But if you look back at all of the really awful things, like how lies put innocent people to death, and what this woman could have done to innocent men with her racist lies. We look back at the past and we say, we want to get rid of these things, right? We want to, we want to, we want to do away with these things. We'll remember what they were, why they were bad, and how we've done away with them, and how we've improved this world. A framework was set forth on July 4th, 1776, and we have continued to strive to do better to uphold those ideals, the consent of the governed. We've done a really, really, really good job. You know, I've seen some people tweet out that since 1964, we have had true equality under the law. And I don't agree. 
Blockbusting didn't end until the 80s, redlining. There have been tons of racist policies that have existed, but we've gotten rid of those things. We can always do better and we are striving to do better. But these people who go out and throw bricks, rocks, Molotov cocktails, who claim to be fighting the good fight, who would steal the name Black Lives Matter for their freaky new non-theistic religion, for which now, now corporations are backing them, seek to turn back the clock on everything from freedom of speech to the, of the uh, uh, consent of the governed, and literally to end the enlightenment. They're not happy about it. They want their divine providence back. They want the right to control everyone around them and to cause chaos, mayhem, and destruction. They just want power and they want to remain unquestioned. The reality is, though, many of these people are just ill. This woman may just have been someone who is unwell. But as we can see here, she was seeking to exploit racial tensions and fears and, yeah, actually racism to get away with committing a crime, to protect her, 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 her direct friends, her, her, her circle. That's corruption. How many of these people who are going out claiming to be anti-racist are just white supremacists with guilty consciences? That's so many of them. I tell you this, I've spoken to these people and I, and, I, and I see it over and over again. And that's what I'm sick of. I'm sick of the fact that this fringe ideology is infecting the brains of people I once called my friends who are now espousing nightmarish racist policy ideas and, ide- and, and, and ideology. It's like they've been zombified. And now I, a lifelong liberal, have found myself in a position where I can talk to any old conservative Republican and Trump supporter and nine times out of 10, nine, 9.9 times out of 10, race is not an issue. You're just an American. As long as you believe in freedom and liberty, we can disagree. We can be mad at each other, but we can live together. On the other side, they don't, they don't believe so. They believe in using violence, suppressing people's rights and speech, and they're overtly racist. Everything to them is about race. It's a disgusting worldview, and I don't want to be a part of it. I'm glad they caught her, and I'm glad it's, it's now been called out by the Daily Beast. So good, good. Stuff makes me mad. But it's the 4th of July, so I am now going to go skateboard in my backyard. I'm going to look at the sky as it blows up, and I'm going to eat some burgers, have some barbecue chips, and enjoy myself. And I hope you all do the same. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m.